This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Good morning to everybody joining us live this morning and of course so those joining us on catch up and on audio only platforms. Hope you've had a fantastic week. Welcome to the weekend. Last night's game. We'll talk about it in a sec, actually. We will save that. We'll talk about it shortly. But uh, <laughs> oh, I've got some moaning to do. Uh, Maggie, good morning to you. To Paul, to Blackshine, to Stephen, to Amira, good morning. Canoe and Odorile, uh, Aiden, Lynn, Kaiser, good morning, guys. Uh, Matt G, Mr. Arsenal, Vegas, Guna, Stevie, uh, Martin, and Andreas. Hope you've had a fantastic uh, week, uh, as have you, Chris, and GGT for you, and Christopher and Harvey. Uh, and plenty more of you joining us in the chat box as well. Always good to see so many faces and some new names, I think, picking up for the first time, which is always good to see as well. Uh, let's crack on, though, with today's stories. We begin, as you would expect, with Matt Turner helping the United States shut out England and Bakaya Saka and co. Uh, the United States are the better team. Let's just put that out there from the start. Uh, and I think that if there was any side worthy of winning the game, it was certainly, I think, the US. Uh, I think they had the better chances. I think they tested uh, the England team. And England didn't show up at all. Uh, really did not produce the performance that we saw them smash Iran with only days ago. And this is, these are the types of games where I kind of look towards Gareth Southgate and think about how negative he can be you know, in in this kind of state, bringing on Jordan Henderson, I kind of get the thinking behind it. You want to try and control the midfield and Bellingham didn't really have the best of his games, to be fair. And the fact that Phil Foden sat on the bench for the for the, the whole of the game in itself, I just find quite staggering. Uh, there's nothing, 
There's nothing worse than just seeing a manager do like-for-like changes. I thought Kane was completely out of the game and it was the type of match that maybe Callum Wilson would have been better for and we could have substituted Kane, but it seems that Kane is just impervious to any kind of substitution whatsoever. Um, These are the games which convince me that we aren't going to go and win major trophies, even though we've got a golden generation of players at England because we are just far too negative and we can't take the... uh, we can't, we can't take the game away from opponents that are really trying to um, play us off the park, which the US did. And I thought they were excellent. So uh, I would be back in the US to go and beat uh, Iran in the final game of the group. And I imagine they will go through to the knockouts with England. That said, Iran with a massive win over Wales yesterday. Uh, amazing scenes at the end uh, with the last minute strike. Uh, brilliant scenes uh, in, in Qatar with the Iran fans and a country that's going through some very, very difficult times at the moment as well. So it was a really uh, entertaining end to that fixture and it sets up a very interesting end to the group stage as well. Uh, let's move forwards. Uh, Cody Gakpo, who of course scored once again as the Netherlands drew with Ecuador, again setting up quite an interesting end to Group A. Uh, he remains a target, but Man United are said to be ahead of Arsenal. Uh, figures are being talked about in the region of now 60 million euros for Cody Gakpo, unsurprisingly, considering his World Cup efforts are going to only raise his profile. Uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu is said to be being tracked by Juventus as well. Uh, Very interesting that he is being looked at by a potential side like Juve. I think that this is what is going to happen with Arsenal. Players that aren't necessarily getting as many minutes because they're being shut out by Ben White, by Alexander Zinchenko, by the starting centre-backs. You might see clubs like Juve start looking at players at Arsenal that aren't playing as regularly. But this is going to be part and parcel of what being a club at the top level is. You think about Jesus and Zinchenko leaving City last summer. We hopefully, if players like Tommy Asu do move on, which I don't want to see him move on because I think he's an asset to the team, but it is going to happen. And this is where Edu and Arsenal need to make maximum profit on their players. And we shouldn't be looking to sell Tommy Asu for anything less than 25, 30 million pounds in my view. So if we do move him on, it is going to be hopefully for a significant profit. Uh, Now, Arsenal have joined a host of clubs that are said to be looking at Carlos Alcaraz. I don't say I know too much about Carlos Alcaraz, but we know that Marca have reported in Spain that Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, Juventus, Spurs, Inter Milan and AC Milan are showing interest in the 19-year-old midfielder. He's currently playing, as I say, for Racing racing Club um, and £16.56 million is said to be the asking price uh, of Racing Club. Did I say Racing Santander? I don't know why I did. I think I got confused. But Racing Club is where he's currently playing at. And Arsenal are said to be one of the teams that are looking at the 19-year-old midfielder. So one to add to your list to start looking into. Uh, Noah Okafor, again, another player being tracked by Arsenal, said to be on Arsenal's radar and has been for some time. Hadn't really played, came off the bench for Switzerland the other day, not getting too many minutes. I wouldn't imagine he's the type of player, and you know, I'm someone who watches a, a decent amount of, of Salzburg's games as I follow them, that would really be making a significant impact to Arsenal's options. I don't think he's going to give you too much more than what we already have from some of our depth options anyway. And I think we should be looking to target someone of a higher level and calibre than Noah Okafor. Now, Danilo is said that he should be leaving the club very soon. This comes from Georges Nicola, who is a journalist uh, focusing on a lot of Brazilian football. 
Uh, he says that Danilo should be leaving Palmeiras very soon, and this is nothing new for anyone. It remains to be seen what level of proposal Palmeiras will have between December and January and what the fate of the player will be. Palmeiras owns around 80% of Danilo's economic rights, with Cajazeres uh, revealing that they own just 20%. Uh, he says that he's talked to one of Danilo's representatives and Edu Gaspar is one of the directors monitoring Danilo's steps. But if an official proposal can be made after the World Cup group stage, the estimate is that this and other proposals will arrive in December. Palmeiras are aware of the difficulties with cash flow and understands that it is time to negotiate the player. Uh, Danilo could end up being negotiated for those around 25 million euros. So that gives us some nice information and updates on the situation of Danilo there. Uh, Jude Bellingham is said to be unlikely to move to Arsenal. This was done by a really good in-depth piece by Charles Watts over on goal, who wrote in depth about the potential uh, destination for Jude Bellingham, uh, concluding, of course, that Liverpool seen the most likely, but that Arsenal are very unlikely to have an option or a chance of signing Jude Bellingham. Again, for me, this boils down to the wage argument. Whilst Arsenal may be willing to invest what it would cost to buy him, it's the wages that would then break the structure that certainly would be a problem for Arsenal. And finally, both Mudrik and Tillemans, both, according to Ben Jacobs, have a significant and serious desire to move to Arsenal as soon as possible. Now, as we've talked about on the channel for quite some time, Yuri Tillemans in particular, we imagine that he will probably move on a free in the summer, whether it's to Arsenal or somewhere else, a free move looks the most likely. However, a move for Mikhailo Mudrik continues to be on the cards for Arsenal in January, but it will be a significant bid that's needed to convince Shakhtar Donetsk to sell. And they will, of course, need to come to some sort of agreement over the structuring of that move. Mudrik wants to move, as I've told you a number of times, is desperate to move to Arsenal after their long-term interest in the player and really does want to move on in January as well to move over to England and get his chance at playing in the Premier League as soon as possible too. So yeah, that is all of today's stories rounded up for you. Before we do move over to part two, I want to give a quick shout out to two accounts on Twitter that make my job a hell of a lot easier. Uh, Doc at Carthy Cadheigl and Arsenal Buzz at ArsenalBuzz.com um, produce some fantastic work on social media, rounding up literally all Arsenal news, more than I even cover here. Uh, I go through kind of the big headline stuff for you guys and we discuss it, but quotes, links, stories, these two on Twitter are fantastic. So if you're not already giving them a follow, I would massively recommend that you do. Anyway, let's move over to part two and your questions right after. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's go through your questions in the chat box. Uh, Let's go to Bradley who says, have you seen anyone in the World Cup that you'd like to see at Arsenal? Obviously, there are obvious contenders like Cody Gakpo, Bradley, that has really impressed me. But there are players at World Cups that have been impressive that I wouldn't necessarily want to see at Arsenal. Enna Valencia, I think, has been brilliant for Ecuador, done really well. Uh, Moises Caicedo, again, I think, has been really good for Ecuador in the middle of their midfield. I've enjoyed watching Estupanan as well, the Brighton left-back for Ecuador as well. but I've enjoyed watching players that I wouldn't necessarily say that I want to see join at Arsenal because it's very difficult to use the World Cup as kind of a, a barometer, if you will, for quality overall and how they might move to Arsenal and perform. So it's difficult, Bradley. I appreciate the question. Uh, I just think it's very difficult to kind of look at the World Cup as a as a measure of a player um, and how they might then transition to Arsenal. But there are a number of players that I've enjoyed. Laiduni, I talk about a lot from Tunisia, who I'm looking forward to watching again very soon. Uh, Dan says, hi, Tom. What did you think of Maguire's performance? He was good. Yeah, he was good. And the problem is, is that the reason why he was good is because England were quite poor and we were on the back foot. And so we had to defend the box. And if there's a player that you want to just defend the box, a little bit like Rob Holding for Arsenal, Harry Maguire is good for that. He's good at heading the ball away. He's good at clearing his lines. He's good at just kind of, you know, backs against the wall defending. But... England need players like Ben White, in my view, playing in the back line to help us build out. We really lack that ability to build out with this England team with Maguire in there. So whilst defensively him being pretty good and that being kind of looked at as a real positive of the performance, actually, if you flip it to the other side, England should be dominating these types of games. And it's players like Harry Maguire that unfortunately don't allow us to be able to do it. Um, Matt G says, do you think Saudi Arabia beating Argentina will be the biggest upset of this World Cup? I imagine it will be because it's said to be the biggest World Cup upset of all time. So it's going to take a hell of a, a hell of a uh, crazy result to top that. But yeah, I think it will be. Um, let's go to Ade says, Tom, I'm curious to know about the visa status for Danilo. Any idea? No, I'm sorry. Uh, what I would say is that there are... A lot of English clubs, including Arsenal, that are now targeting players in South America due to the impacts of Brexit, making it so much harder for English clubs to uh, transfer players from European clubs, actually, in terms of a certain age. I'd know that they wouldn't be going for players like Danilo if they didn't think they could get a deal done. And those admin issues wouldn't be a problem. Of course, we've only just signed Marquinhos, a very younger player than Danilo from Sao Paulo. So you'd hope that it wouldn't be a problem Anyway, uh, NVR says, Tom, any Musa, uh, anything on Musa from the USA? We aren't linked to him. We aren't looking at him. He used to be at Arsenal. He's not anymore. He had a really good game, I thought, yesterday. I think he's one that Arsenal will regret let going, but I haven't seen any genuine links at all uh, for Arsenal moving in either. Uh, Nick uh, says, it's my first time catching the live show. Glad to be here. 1am here in Arizona. Thank you, Nick, for tuning in. Appreciate you staying up. I hope you enjoyed the game yesterday giving yourselves a great chance of course to go through in the world cup to the knockout stages uh nidish says supposedly if danilo comes in january what will happen to lakonga he needs game time now there are a number of clubs that have looked at lakonga before he joined arsenal napoli was one of the key ones napoli could come back in we've seen juventus also said to be 
following Lokonga. Italian teams in particular have had quite a few links to Lokonga. If we sign Danilo in January, I don't think that Lokonga will move on in January. And I think Arsenal will be aware of the fact they need to make sure they maintain the depth in their midfield with Lokonga there. So I don't think he'd move in January, but I think there is a potential chance he may move either on a permanent or a loan move in the summer. And I think a loan move would certainly help him and help Arsenal to get an even bigger fee for him in the following summer transfer window. But we'll have to wait and see if that move changes. But we'll, of course, bring you any updates if we hear anything on that. Uh, Darren says, so many nil-nil draws in the World Cup. Do you think there is a lack of upcoming attacking talent in this generation versus defensive talent? No, I don't think it's because of that. I think that everyone's been pretty cautious in their games so far. I think there's been a very much a feeling of not wanting to lose and not wanting to overcommit. We have seen a really silly amount of well, uh, a nil-nil World Cup scorelines this winter. Perhaps it's because of when the tournament's being played or where the tournament's being played because of the temperatures. I know that the stadium's air-conned, but that in itself, air-conned air is, is different. It's a bit strange to play in those conditions. Maybe that's having an impact on the quality of the performances and on the quality of the players' fitnesses. Who knows? But there has been an, a strange amount of nil-nils in this tournament, very underwhelming has the performances been. Not all of them. Some have been some really good games. Portugal uh, the other day produced a fantastic game against Ghana. Uh, that was a very entertaining one. Of course, England, Spain have scored mega goals in the number of fixtures as well. Uh, and we've had some very good ends to games as well. But uh, yeah, it's strange how many nil-nils there are in this tournament in particular. Uh, Sam says, hi, Tom. I used to listen a lot in the summer, but since September, I was taken ill and I've been in and out of hospital trips and doctor's appointments. So sorry, still love the show. Hope you well. Sam, that's completely fair, mate. You don't need to apologise at all. And I hope that you're feeling better and that things are improving for you. But I appreciate the message. But yeah, I hope you're feeling better soon, my friend. Um, James says, the Danilo signing is fine, but I hope it is not our only addition in the midfield, as I don't see him hitting the ground running. It's very difficult to imagine a player moving from Brazil and coming into Arsenal and having an immediate impact. I think there's certainly, uh, there's certainly scope for Danilo to have an immediate impact at the club. He's of a level and of a quality of what I've seen. That I think that I don't think he'd be overawed by the move, but there's always a risk associated with every transfer, especially ones that you bring in from abroad because they have to transition to a new country, a new league, a new level, a new language. So all of those things will contribute. Hopefully what we see is a strong move from someone like Danilo. Uh, Christopher says, Tom, would you sell Tommy for £40 million? Almost certainly, yes. Um, John says, would you assume that Arsenal speak to all their players to get scouting reports or recommendations from their players playing on various World Cup teams? Yes, and I know that for a fact that players are consulted on potential teammates. I will, I'm almost certain that Zinchenko would have been talked to regarding Mikhailo Mudrik. It's a really good way of getting a player's opinion. Players are honest, you know, about teammates. You know, if you're on a team at work, you know, and someone asks you about you know, maybe someone moving into your department from elsewhere, you know, your personal experiences will certainly affect you because you've got to play with this person. You're going to have to play with them week in, week out, share a dressing room with them, share a training room with them every day for the next foreseeable amount of days. You're going to be honest about your assessment. Sure, you might want to big up your friends, but at the same time, I think you'd have to be honest about if you didn't think a player was good enough, even if they were your friend, about because it's going to affect your team's ability to compete. 
So I think that, yeah, absolutely. And I know for a fact the players are consulted on different transfer targets. And we've heard a number of players come out and talk about the fact that they were asked about potential players before they moved. And they do it for opposition teams when you're coming up a playing against someone that you play with on the national level. Certainly players will give advice. Odegaard, I remember Arteta said, was talking a lot about Buda Glimt because he knows his Norwegian football plenty. So, yeah, I think it certainly is helpful. What we also see is players being used a little bit as intermediaries. We heard that Gabriel Jesus spoke a lot to Alexander Zinchenko when we were linked with him. And that helped Arsenal convince the Ukrainian to move to the club in the summer as well. So, yeah, it absolutely is used too. Uh, Dan says, hi, Tom. Looking at the Brazil's performance with the ball, do you see any team challenging them apart from France? It's one performance. And if the back, if you watched England off the back of their performance against Iran, you would say they were certainly one of the best uh, teams coming out of the opening game. But you watch them in comparison against the United States and that opinion changes drastically. It's difficult to go off one game. I think we'll be in a much better position to look at all the teams after the group stage and then we can have a better assessment of who we might see uh, going furthest in the competition. Amira says, based on what you've seen so far of the Arsenal first 11 were playing these World Cup teams, how far do you think we'd go in the competition? Would it be an Arsenal against Brazil final? That's a really interesting question. And I always am intrigued by how an international side would set up or play against the club side. It does happen. You see it in some friendly opportunities. Some club sides play against uh, 11s from certain countries at certain times. It does happen in the uh, friendly kind of era of football. I think Arsenal would do very well. I think Arsenal would progress to the latter stages of the World Cup if they were playing at that level. I think that they would have the energy and I think they'd have the uh, the understanding between one another as well from a lot better than what we see on the international level. So, yeah, I think that the clubs, a lot of clubs would go quite far in the World Cup because of their understanding between one another of how they play uh, on a more regular basis than the uh, international team. So, yeah, I think England, uh, Arsenal, sorry, would go quite far in, in a World Cup scenario. Uh, Darren says, would you consider a World Cup watch along with your pals Lev Shaheen and Mo? Uh, I would. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I work quite a lot um, throughout the World Cup and I work a lot of the game. So I'm unable to do those. But yeah, I would certainly be up for sitting down and watching some of the games in a, uh, a watch along scenario with them. I've got nothing against watch alongs, really. Uh, when then, you know, I, I've done watch alongs in friendly games in preseason on the channel and it's been entertaining. I don't particularly do them for competitive games because I like having that competitive game for myself, if that makes sense. You know, you, you are a different person, I think, when you watch games. There's a certain persona I'm trying to stay professional as I can on screen, and I don't think I'd stay as professional as I can watching games. However, being in the press box has certainly brought out more of a measured way for me of watching games because I'm forced to be more measured in the press box than I am uh, when I'm watching games as a fan, either in the stadium or at home. So uh, I usually try and keep that match day experience more personal, but it's had to become a lot more professional when working the games at the stadium. So it's one we could think about. I like doing it for the friendlies. Maybe if we're able to do a friendly game, uh, we will. But I often work the Arsenal friendlies, so it's difficult to do them. Uh, Temi says, Madrid bid 100 million for Saka and Smith-Rowe. Are you selling? No, not a chance. Uh, Rodeo says, what's the maximum amount of money we'd spend on Mudrick? No idea, to be honest. I have no idea how much money Arsenal would be willing to go to. If you're asking me how much I'd be willing to go to, it's difficult to say. I've kind of said around 50 to 60, I think, is probably the maximum. But I don't think I have a maximum. I think I just care about bringing in the player. Um, money is a secondary fact for me. The primary fact for me is the player and the, the, the profile of the player itself. Money, money is always secondary for me in that sense. I'd rather have the player 
than spend or have the money in the case of selling players. I always look at it that way. Uh, no, I wouldn't be looking at it, to be honest, in that sense. Uh, Raf says, I like uh, the look of Carlos Alcaraz at Racing Club. Uh, we've been linked recently. I missed the beginning. Did you discuss him? I did. Uh, he looks an interesting young midfielder. Always, It's always difficult to get a grasp of young players playing abroad in South America, but we've really liked what we've seen of Zay Danilo. So there's no reason why we couldn't have that same appreciation for a guy like Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, Viraj says, Arsenal have been more attractive increasing our ability to sign young talent like Bellingham. How would you solve the problem of high fan expectations while balancing opportunities for players? It's a really intriguing question. Fan, fan expectations is impossible to balance, that you're never going to be able to kind of measure or mitigate the expectation and excitement that fans are going to have. You know, the amount of times that we get questions about how likely do you think that we could sign Bellingham in this chat box is frequent. We get asked those questions a lot. And I'm always very, very cautious of saying that you should have any kind of expectation that Arsenal would be able to sign Bellingham, even if we're top of the table, because our wage structure at the moment just does not support the idea or the ability to sign a player like Bellingham because I can't see us breaking our wage bill to sign a 19-year-old. I just don't see it happening. I think it's something that we might build towards in the next two to three years. But if we're very honest, I don't think any of us expected us to be in a title race this season, and yet here we are. And it is going to take some time for the club and the squad to be moulded into a way in which we do compete with City and United and Chelsea in terms of wages for players. We can't and don't right now but it will certainly move that way, I think, if we continue on this successful pathway. So balancing opportunities for players and fan expectation, you know, why aren't we playing Tomiyasu? Why don't we play uh, other young players? Why doesn't Balogun get a chance? Why are we giving Nketiah new contracts? I have an inclination to lean towards the expertise of the club. I do have faith in what they're doing. I do have faith in them making the right decisions because they've convinced me with their work over the last three to four years that they know what they're doing. And so I certainly lean in that direction. Uh, Llewellyn, uh, happy birthday, mate. I hope you have a fantastic day. I'm sure the chat box is already wishing you a very kind birthday as well. Um, GGTV for you says, why do you think Argentina are struggling at the minute uh, with the talent they have? Again, it's a one game thing. I'm going to be very resistant to making judgments of, of teams after one game. England, after two games, their poles apart. The two performances were ends of the spectrum. We don't know what they're going to produce in each game. It's very difficult to know. I hope we make some serious changes for the game against Iran. I think we do. Otherwise, we're going to risk burning out players too quickly when you've got a squad as big as we have. Uh, Dirk says, would you rather not sign a centre midfielder in January if we can get a Rice or maybe a bid for a Jude Bellingham or Savage in the summer? I think that we could do both, Dirks. Uh, I know that's a cop-out answer. I think that I'd rather see us try and sign someone because there's no guarantee those players that you've mentioned there would come in the summer. We need to sign someone in January. We've got a great chance at trying to go for the title this season. Let's strengthen now. Let's bring in the players that we need now and certainly improve. Uh, Masibulele says, uh, Tom, how impressed were you with Gakpo yesterday? For me, it's only the goal and his versatility. Otherwise, overall, I wasn't impressed. Similar to the game uh, in the opening game for the Netherlands, the goal kind of overshadows what was a underwhelming overall performance. And I think that's probably fair. I would say that he is playing in a different position for the Netherlands kind of behind this front too than he is mainly for uh, his club side PSV and where he would play for Arsenal. It's difficult to know how it would work. But he just has to keep scoring. If he keeps scoring, then you can't say too much about his performance. Like, it's like the opposite of Gabriel Jesus. Gabriel Jesus isn't scoring for Arsenal, but his performances are still top, top. 
So it's the, it's kind of a reverse to that, if you were. If you're scoring, but not having the performances, no one really cares as much because you're scoring. If you're not scoring, but having great performances, I think there's more care about the goals because they're not coming. But actually, Jesus' performances have been great. So it's a difficult kind of dynamic to think about. Uh, Peter says, Tom, would a manager like Pep or Arteta be able to play the style of football they want as an international manager? It seems to me that they would struggle as they don't get a lot of time with the players. It's a good question and it's a very difficult question to answer because I look at someone like Luis Enrique, a Spain manager, of course, and former Barcelona coach. He's very fortunate because as you, if you become the manager of a, of a nation of where you have a lot of the players that you played with at club level or managed at club level, it makes things easier. And so that's why you see Spain play a very similar Barcelona style, even though they haven't got loads of Barca players. That said, they have got a lot more. If you look at the World Cup, uh, or sorry, I think the Euro squad, or maybe even the World Cup 2018 squad, the number of Real Madrid and Barca players was very small because of injury and just because they don't have too many Spanish players anymore. But that has changed with the development of players like uh, Balde and Pedri and uh, Gavi and Ansu Fati, who is now available because, of course, his injury prevented him in the last tournament. So all of those things combined mean that I think that Enrique in particular can play more to that style. Whereas if you look at if Arteta took over England, you've got Saka, you've got White, you've got Ramsdale. And beyond that, you don't. And I think that all the other players that are coming in are coming from different clubs with different systems, different teams. I think the benefit of Pep and Arteta from an England perspective is they would have a lot of Arsenal and City players. So maybe you could sort of construct a system that worked with both of those. But you make a good point that they don't get to work long with the players because they don't get too much with them. I think club management and international management are certainly very different and it takes time for, for managers to go into it. That's why I think that Belgium made a big mistake hiring Roberto Martinez, they should have signed a more international manager that had a really good kind of experience at the international level. And that maybe have got the best out of their golden generation. I think they've maybe wasted that golden generation with Roberto Martinez as their coach. Yes, he's now got time under the table, but unfortunately the time that it's taken for him to get his feet under the table and really acclimatise to international football, his golden generation has, has aged and it's kind of moved on a bit. So it's that I think is probably the best way to tackle that query um that was a really long answer but i hope it made sense uh karthik says squad building vis-a-vis uh being a backup do you think that a player's perspective on being part of the squad rather than the starter has changed with the fixture congestion and the five sub rule that's really interesting um has the five sub rule and the potential number of competitions that we have meant that a player is more willing to come into a team where they're not guaranteed starting minutes uh, because they know they're going to get some elsewhere. I think it depends on the club. I think the club and its competitiveness and whether it's able to compete for certain competitions will have much more of an impact on the player's willingness to join a club than the number of fixtures, than the fact that they rotate a lot. I think the competition and the potential for silverware always trumps everything. And that's why you see players like Calvin Phillips willing to move to Man City, uh, because they know that even though they're not going to play loads, you look at Nathan Ake as well, another example, even though they're not going to play loads, they know they're going to be in a team where they will get some minutes because they're going to rotate. And they also know that they're in the competitions that they potentially could come out of with a medal. And, and that's big. So Arsenal need to position themselves with this, this season, really, in a place where they're being able to convince players that they know that they are at the peak of their talents. And they, even if you're not going to get loads of minutes, you still got a chance of winning silverware. And that's a big, big thing when it comes to this. But it's a really good question. The five sub rule, I think, certainly has made uh, players more amenable knowing they'll get more minutes. 
player uh, fixture congestion certainly as well. Uh, Paul says, given the relationship they have at club level, if you play Saka, is there a case to play White behind him? I actually said this during the game, Paul, yesterday. I said that I would take off Trippier and bring on White because I think that Trippier was really crowding out Saka in the game. For me, I think that Trippier's style does not suit Saka on that right-hand side. I don't think you get the best from Saka if you are crowding him out on the right. And I don't think Trippier knows the role enough. I think for Newcastle, he needs to get forward. He needs to play advanced because he creates so much. But the reason he can do that is because Almiron cuts inside so much and whereas Saka kind of stays out wide a lot more and you just get a much more kind of convoluted, congested right-hand side. And I think that it's better if we had White there because it certainly would add a lot more familiarity to that right-hand side. I think that's important. Uh, World Citizen says, uh, if we sign Woodrick, would Martinelli then become our versatile forward, able to play with the right wing and the centre forward role too? I think I wrote about this. I said that I think a lot of people are forgetting that Martinelli can play in other positions. If we sign the left winger like Mudrick, it doesn't congest our left-hand side. I think all it does is it makes Martinelli a more versatile option for us. And I think we could certainly see Martinelli, Saka and Mudrick all play together as well. I think you could also rotate between the three of them and give opportunities to Martinelli on both the right and left-hand sides. Uh, Ray Beam says, uh, question Tom, who do you think replaces Neymar? Any chance of Jesus to feature? I think that Martinelli's got a great chance of of replacing uh, Neymar. I really think that he does. I think Jesus, of course, when you think about what he brings to the team, he would only, I think, replace Richarlison. But I think that Neymar playing behind that striker. Who knows? Martinelli could come in. They might bring in Rodrigo. It's difficult, but I think they could move, say, uh, a Vinicius Jr. or a a Rafinha into more of a central position and Martinelli could get a chance. So who knows? I think Martinelli impressed when he came on. Let's see what happens. Uh, Let's go to Adichero. He says, hi, Tom. Long time since I've joined you live. Hope you're well, mate. I am. Hope you're well too, my friend. Uh, Chris says Southgate is too loyal to certain players. And Iquan says it's Southgate. What do you expect? <laughs> uh, Amira says Turner seems like a good example. Uh, knows he won't start, but will get game time looking at our fixture congestion and knows his ability would improve by training with the players that we have at the club. Yeah, I think that's a really strong point. I think players know that just training and being at Arsenal is to the benefit of their careers and their development. Even though they might not play loads, they might then move a better player elsewhere and then get more minutes somewhere else. Uh, Viray says, do you think that Southgate has more credit in the bank because the players he has available taking England to its heights rather than his actual management? Absolutely. I do think that Arsenal... I keep saying Arsenal. I do think England would have got further than they actually did if they had a better coach. I think we missed out on a Euro win. I think we missed out on a World Cup final. I think we were restricted by our finishes by Southgate rather than actually, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Elevated to those positions by Southgate. I think he held us back. I don't think he unleashed what we could have achieved. Anyway, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It's always an absolute pleasure to join you. Do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. I'll be seeing you again, I'm sure, very, very soon. Um, Have a fantastic weekend uh, and enjoy yourselves. Watch Planet of Football if you like. Go out and enjoy yourself if you like. I'm going out today. I'm going to miss quite a bit of the football today because it's a friend's birthday. So I'm looking forward to uh, going to Winter Wonderland today, actually, in London. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Have a fantastic day, people. See you as always, and as always, up the Arsenal.
It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.